0: We are live. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to What's the Why podcast this week. And this week, we've got a slightly lighter subject, and we're going to try to keep it a lot shorter as well to try out a new new style. We're going to talk about self-help and self-help industry as a whole, why people read it and what could be the pitfalls of it. Uh, Tiago, once again, is the guy who has the most experience with it. He's read a few books. Um, he's enjoyed the, the majority of it, uh, if I'm right in assuming so, Tiago.
1: Yes, I enjoyed most of the books that I've read and I've been reading them since since a little kid. Actually, the first book that I read was from Del Carnegie, How to Make Friends and Influence People. And the only reason I read this book was that my father gave this book to someone in my family and this family member got offended because they thought my father was saying they can't have friends. They need a book to be able to have friends. And my the book got returned and it ended up in my shelf and I started reading it and I really enjoyed the book. It's it's a book that I recommend that people read it because it's a, it's a really cool self-help book. It doesn't offer you false hope. It really teaches you how to speak with people and how to connect with people, which I found it really interesting. And then from that point onwards, I started reading everything from... Tony Robbins to Jim Ron uh, to Napoleon Hill to I don't know reading and listening because there's a lot of content, content on YouTube and I just wanted to listen and I, I think it all stems from that desire of improving yourself that desire that you don't want to you want to be better than everyone else you want to you want to shine you want to be noticed and maybe maybe a lot of insecureness of my side as well because maybe I, I didn't feel I was as good communicating as other kids, that I was as good doing things as other people. So I wanted to make sure that I was doing what I could do at home so that I could shine then in front of people. And I think that is what was fueling my self-help book reading. You know, those feelings, they seem to be the motivators
0: behind a lot of the other people that consume these type of books. And there are some psychologists and psychiatrists that have come out and spoken against the self-help industry in saying that, some of the books, not all, are a little bit predatory. They try to take advantage of the fact. Now, take advantage is a very aggressive term to use because, again, it's a business and people are willingly consuming it. Like it's it's not that they're forcing them to buy it, but um, but I think the psychiatrist trying to make a point that it was the fear of missing out or the fear, fear of falling behind because our society is not very kind to those that do fall behind. You know, if we look at it um, in terms of if you don't have the latest skills, etc. Um, but the fear of falling behind that motivates people to keep consuming self-improvement because the way that they maybe address the titles or they address the subject ends up being a little bit too heavy on the, are you the best person you can be kind of thing, which sounds novel. But they the psychiatrist is saying, you know, it, it, they kind of give you advice that, uh might not actually improve the way that you're living life, but more may, it just makes you feel like you're getting these little achievements and that the only way you can, you know, keep that feeling of achievement up is by consuming more books because yeah. the dopamine hit you get when you read another book, right?
1: So- I agree with you completely. So the way they structure the books, and if you notice, they will always start with, uh, with a goal. So the way that you want to feel after you read this book and after you, implement all of the tasks and habits habit change that they provide you. So they, they want you to feel confident, They make sure that that you, when you read this, you will you will f- fulfill your full potential, that you will be financially free after you read uh, rich that, poor, poor that. So they, they want to make they want to make you feel when you start reading the book that you will achieve all of this. And then they go and they start saying millions of people, millions of people read my books and I helped all of these people and I have all of these testimonials, you don't want to lose track to those million of people. You don't want to be fall behind all of these people that already read it and are ahead of you. So they start exactly how you explained it, making you feel confident, then suddenly putting you like running after all the others that already achieved that. Then they start with a sob story of their life. They always want to put themselves in your shoes. They want you to feel that you are able to achieve whatever you, you can achieve, whatever you want to achieve, because they were in your position. They were in also like in a dire and insecure position like you are in, and they were able to achieve all of that by implementing all the tasks and behavior change that he speaks in his book. It's always the same structure how they start.
0: But, you know, I, I kind of want to take the defensive position for these guys sometimes, um, because we're not... Openly criticizing it, we're having a discussion, right, on the mm-hmm. merits of it, and then the the pitfalls. So we're not saying all books are predatory. We're saying that there is criticism out there about how some of them are, and how some uh, authors seems to be able to write three books on the same subject, and then you kind of wonder, <laughs> well, is it a novel? Is it a story that's progressing, or are they
1: squeezing every last drop out of that lemon? Um, but is it is this your experience, or do you have a ghostwriter that yeah. is? writing exactly what people want to listen and uh, need
0: to listen okay well okay so to, to defend the writers wouldn't you say that it's necessary for them to show that they have been in your position particularly for those readers who are in a dire position who actually are reaching out for help um, at the same time wouldn't one criticize a writer if he hadn't gone through hardship if he hadn't experienced it and the book or the mentalities that he is trying to convey in the books hadn't helped him remedy something and hadn't helped other people because we live in an age where online reviews for argument's sake are some of the most important uh, things to, to to consider when purchasing a product so as much as we can criticize that they are all the same isn't that necessary isn't that why it's motivating to read these people's uh, lives and to, to, to read their advice
1: yeah I, I agree with what what you're saying, we want to we want to read about that. We want to know that they were in our position. This is something that we want to know because we want to know if it's possible, if it's attainable, what they're asking us to do. The thing is, they got rich and they got to a position of success selling that book to me. They didn't change their habits or they didn't they didn't succeed in life in 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 a normal business, in a normal career change. They achieved success in selling self-help to me. That's, that's how most of them achieved success and made money.
0: Uh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. You, you've explained that a lot better in terms of it's it's like you are me, but you're not really me, right? Because you're just telling me to live my life a little bit differently, but there's no way that I can follow what you did. Um, but again, there are exceptions to that, right? I mean, are, I mean like,
1: there's, there's a some... guy called Gary Vaynerchuk. And he's a self-help uh, speaker. And uh, he started, he, he, he was an immigrant in the USA. His, his parents came over from, I think, Belarus. Belarus and he, the, his father had a wine wine store. And he, from a very young age, he started working at that, that wine store. And he created a YouTube channel where he sold wine online and he made a fortune Doing that, and then he became, then he created his own company, and now alongside his company, he gives all these features of self help. And, uh, and for me, he's one of those self made entrepreneurs that didn't didn't go through the self help industry to generate success. He generated success, then now is returning all the success that he had through the self-help industry to other people. In fact, most of his YouTube and uh, Instagram posts are, are all free content. You can, get, you can get get great content from him for free.
0: Okay, so this is where we kind of need to break up the self-help industry yeah. a little bit, right? Yeah. So what we were criticizing before, uh, excuse me, Tiago, what you were criticizing, thank you very much, <laughs> are people who kind of deal with the lifestyle and the motivation aspect. Of it a little bit more, and 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 you believe that those who maybe are orientated slightly more towards the business aspect of it sound or feel a little bit more legitimate because of the fact that they're giving you advice on an action that they took instead of the overall psychological uh, feeling or the psych uh, the psychological challenges of living life demotivated or sometimes even let's uh, you know dealing with depression for example um, and. I guess there are other parts of the self-help industry, which could be, you know, sporting motivation. Um, w- w- what else are the kind of themes out there that they talk about? There's motivation, there's
1: business, there's sports a little bit. There's spiritual self-help books. Um, anything that is esoteric can be, can fit into spiritual, like mindfulness and meditation. And I've read a couple of those. And uh, one of them was from this guy from Google, um, and it was funny whenever, whenever I was doing meditation, one of the thoughts, one of the first thoughts that would interrupt my meditation, my mindfulness session would be, dude, I'm going to be so fucking focused. No one's going to catch me. <laughs> <laughs> After 10 sessions of this, I'm going to be laser focused. I'm going to nail everything that I do. <laughs> that would be the thought that always interrupts my, my, my mindfulness session.
0: Yeah. yeah, I. <laughs> okay so now we can have some interesting questions so as much as a lot of people do share the criticisms, uh, criticism that you have towards these uh, kind of books and authors um, there are a couple of things to kind of consider one is let's say that for the most part um, you know they don't make that much of a difference with a hundred people uh, but all of those hundred people five of them benefit from it five of them five of them follow it and they actually get real benefit one would argue that, well, that's enough because like, well, he's not forcing anyone to buy it. And so when you say predatory, it's kind of tricky, right? Because protecting consumers is something that people always discuss and, and have a hard time with, which is, hey, that guy's got his, that guy's got free will. He decided to buy my book, right? And they go, Yeah, but you're marketing it or whatever in a way that is addictive, etc. And if it helps five people in a hundred, isn't that enough? Isn't that enough of a result that hey, you did a net good? Because right? it's not like you're bankrupting anyone by, by tricking them, in inverted commas, here, into buying a book. But you've helped someone at the end of the day. Yeah,
1: no, true. I, I agree with you. I agree that most times the message that they are delivering is not a bad message. It's not going to hurt anyone. Is it attainable? Can you change your behaviors just by reading the book and applying some some habits and tasks? It's so difficult. You need someone to be to accompany you in that journey because alone changing oh, okay. your behaviors it's super hard
0: okay so you're saying guidance but at the same time also knowing like everything else we read in the world like online offline whatever you kind of need a little bit more guidance on what to take with a pinch of salt so
1: are you saying yeah exactly, exactly. yeah I okay. guess. Yeah. And even to self-monitor, to be self-conscious and aware of what you're doing, if it's the right thing or not, it's difficult. So you can implement some change and you can you can change it. So like being grateful. So whenever you wake up, you're grateful for the things that you have, you're grateful for you for, for breeding and for being alive. That that is a simple task that you can do. It's not it's not hard. Will it improve your life? Maybe, but but you don't need a coach to, to be on top of you to do that. But then there's other other tasks, other behavior changes that are super hard to keep up.
0: Mm, I see. Yeah. So this kind of touches onto one of the major criticisms of a lot of these lifestyle motivation books, or well, sorry, lifestyle or motivation oriented books. The writer was called MJ DeMarco. He kind of started criticizing industry for uh, encouraging action faking, uh, which is like actions that make you think you've accomplished something, but you actually haven't. I, I think this is just, you could call it
1: procrastinating as well, but you know how um... isn't that the secret? So there's a book called The Secret, which was massive, sold, yes. sold twenty to thirty million copies, written by Rhonda Rhonda Byrne or something like that. Obviously, I bought the book. Obviously, my parents bought an edition for them as well. So the book essentially lives on this uh, on this argument that for something to happen you need to really believe that this is going to happen so that the universe can conspire to make it happen. For example, if you want to be rich, you need to f- to believe that your bank account has money. If you go to the casino, you need to believe that you're going to get the winning number from the, the roulette. And you need to believe in these things so, th- so that the universe can conspire for you to win. And dude, that was the worst book I've ever read in my life. The, the law of soft- Yeah. That was the worst self-help book I've ever heard in my life because it's you can believe, but if you don't put action in it and not just action of playing the roulette, for example, like proper rational action behind it, supporting your idea, you won't have money in the bank. The universe won't just simply give you money, right? You have to do something to, to, to build on that. One could argue that she's coming across with the
0: idea of, first of all, be positive. Okay. When you're positive, you're motivated to do it, and when you're motivated, because the one okay. thing that motivates humans is hope. So the moment you you go, I'm gonna get it, hope is there, and then you're motivated to to do the action. Yeah, I'm not defending the, that book in particular though, but I definitely hear what you what you're saying, and um, just just to reiterate the, the the whole action faking, other things can include um, uh, make uh, cleaning your room when an assignment to do right? So there are some self-help gurus, um, or or let's just say speakers out there who say first thing to do is organize your room, clean your room. And what they mean by that is organize your life and then, you know, organize your life so that everything around you can be then part compartmentalized. Like if you don't even make your bed, how do you expect to go and organize a project? Right. But what they're saying is that, um, you have an assignment due, but then you end up cleaning your room, which takes two hours. And you never get to the assignment. But at the end of the cleaning, you feel great about yourself. Like I clean my room. I did something today. And you're like, yeah, but you didn't actually result in, you didn't obtain any results, uh, making a timetable or a task list, task list, and then calling it a day. You didn't actually action anything, but you made a plan. A lot of these books kind of only deal with that superficial level. Um, getting your business cards, printed, but never actually picking up the phone and calling anyone and never giving the business card out, right? Um, and then the really key thing is kind of going back to books, the difference between those books, which make you just read it or the books, which make you read it and then, in, and actually maybe have a stronger incentive for you to do something. So I, a lot of the the, the the best channels we follow are the channels that actually lay it out step by step and say in various steps, stop here, go do it it's not just look at all these successful cases. They have a lot because I know that people like it for some reason. Maybe that's another thing, but uh, you can go on days and days just listening to like great examples of people that succeed and how they did it. But unless the video, or the book says, stop, go design the website, and go pick the products. Um, some people can get kind of stuck in, you know, go, go down that, um, uh, and yeah. down that rabbit hole. And that's where he says it's a little bit predatory is that some,
1: is that some books are written in that way? So I read Donald Trump's book, um, Think Like a Champion. <laughs> okay, Dude, <laughs> perfect timing. And when you, and when you read when you read the book, it like sounds. It's like you're listening to J- Donald Trump. It's like his voice. It's in your head and going. You ain't need to think like a champion. You can't take shit from anyone. Like this is not my. It's not a good Donald Trump's voice. You can you make it better than me. But essentially, his message throughout a thick book. It's basically you don't take shit from no one. You work 24 hours during the day, plus some hours in the evening. You just, you just do whatever you need to do to win, and you always have to be better than everyone else. Thick book with a really short message. It was one of the books that I didn't like.
0: Okay, perfect. So we can lay out a couple of the really good examples of these sub right? One is the idea that don't care. About what other people think, and 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 to an extent that is true, right? Like the ability to say no is um, one of the um, one of the major reasons they attribute to uh, success. success. you know, people who have low disagreeableness are actually often very good leaders because they can say no when it needs to be said. Like, no, I'm not going to help you. I'm sorry. No to this deal. As much as I like you, it's not good.
1: Um, but it's telling someone you need to be tough, it it the person, yeah, I need to be tough. But how do you become tough? You need a behavior change, and a behavior change. You need to start changing small things in your life. I don't know the way you the way you become tough. Maybe start saying no to people, even to things that you want to do. Stop saying no when someone wants to go to the park. Say no, I don't want. To. Stop. Maybe that's a way for you to become more comfortable in being less agreeable. But in his, in his book, he didn't have any of those tasks. He was just like. You have to do this. You need to be this. You need to work like this. Just like just the way he speaks, it was the way it was written. So that's that was my criticism on his book. Like sweeping statements,
0: right? Exactly. That's what we're talking about. Another one that kind of contributes to what you're talking about is um, we seem to have the assumption that uh, profanity equates to sincerity. Putting in swear words now on covers, putting very casual language into a book seems to convey like, uh, I'm legit, you know, I got you. I, (laughs) you know, we're people, (laughs) you're my people. I'm telling you the truth, right? I'm not using fancy lingo. And so you have these titles. um, And I'm not saying these books are these uh, predatory books. I'm just giving examples of titles that you wouldn't necessarily expect to see decades ago. And like, uh, un-F yourself, (laughs) get out of your head and into your life. Uh, Can't hurt me, master your mind and defy the odds girls stop apologizing. Uh, So, you know, very casual, very catchy though, right? Uh, Almost like internet thumbnail names. Um, And then there is that one lady that had some really crazy titles and they were really long. So Sarah Knight, I think she's a big writer uh, in in this field. No, not I think she is. Uh, You know, you do you. How to be who you are and use what you've got to get what you want. Second book was like, Life changing magic of not giving a fuck. How to stop spending time you don't have with people you don't like doing things you don't want. That's three lines. <laughs> That's a three line title. But this kind of rashness. And then she, I, uh, I believe she retired early. She had a really good job at a publishing company, publishing a house. And then she kind of retired and went to the uh, Dominican Republic or something with her husband and stuff. But so she had a great motivational story behind it, you know, left that. Successful world behind, and how she um, and and when she was in the workforce, uh, she had cat litter in a box under her desk because she was so stressed out that when she was having panic attacks, um, aside from the medical assistance that she was getting, she would take off her shoes and put her feet in the sand to take the stress off of work. That's pretty intense, right? I'm not saying she's a predatory one. I that that could be your opinion, but then she went through this, huh? That's an interesting. That's an interesting conundrum, right? Is she being
1: predatory or is this legit? It's. They are these these new ones are the anti-self-help authors. They they know that people get cringy now with self-help books for sure. So they want to to exactly how you, how you said to position themselves in in a way that hey I'm not like those guys, accept how you are, even if you're mediocre. Accept that's the only way. To happiness so the, they are the anti-self-help books so the others want to show you that that you have this potential that you can unleash and everyone has the same potential while these anti-self ones are saying dude just accept the way you are yeah. this is the way to be happy Yeah.
0: self-help against self-help which yeah. sounds kind of predatory in its, in its way I'm sorry I keep using the word predatory but I'm sure there's a better word I could have used uh, but the idea is I'd, I'd rather use predatory than trick in this case But yeah, so one of the books uh, by Sven Brinkman kind of criticizes all these self-help movements as well. Which uh, his title "Stand Firm: Resisting the Self-Help, the Self-Improvement Phrase." He kind of deals with the fact that you know um, we've set these really high standards for ourselves in society, which is why anxiety is so high. We have these high expectations of ourselves that are almost unobtainable, uh, unattainable, which is what. Now, like Instagram and stuff like I do to young women, um, a lot of men, young, old, middle age, whatever, are suffering from muscle or body dysmorphia as well. You know, like, I'm not big enough. I'm, I'm, I'm not muscular enough, etc. And he says that, you know, all of this, he believes they pinpoint rather symptoms that need uh, assistance. And that's where it gets really tricky because of course you might have some symptoms. It's like going onto WebMD and going i got a little bit of a backache. Does that mean that I have something wrong with my spine or my hip? My nerves are pinched. That's the problem. When they yeah, only focus on the problems, you always see patterns in it. And it's that pattern it. recognition.
1: They are, they are a massive industry. There are $13 billion alone in the USA. So they, they would need to to make sure that people continue on to listen to them, continue on to buy their books. They need to, to buy attention from people. That's why they write in this, in this particular way. company called Market Research, it's a leading uh, market research company. They, they
0: said that personal coaching services are worth about a billion dollars in the US. How crazy is that, yeah. right? And then um, the next biggest one would be motivational speakers, which is about a billion dollars per year combined. Uh, So I'd imagine those are the seminars and conventions, but then over and above that, then you have their self-improvement books, which is worth about 800 million growing at 6% per year, self-help audio books. So I'd imagine they could be the same books Um, and then self-improvement apps. So they do all these motivational speeches and these guys motivate you for your lifestyle, but then self-improvement apps could maybe include like uh, habit tracking, right? Like think about how many of these apps they, 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 they give you feedback on how often you're dawdling, you're, you're looking at uh, social media instead of working, etc. How often you switch between apps and all of this. And to an, to an extent, some people argue that that is the real self-help.
1: Yeah, because it's hard to understand what is the right answer. It's like with diets. There's a gazillion billion diets out there, but you don't know what is the right diet, what is the right answer. You, you never know. It's the same with self-help books. You don't know which technique, if it's Tony Robbins, if it is uh, Deepak Chopra or whoever else. It's, you don't know if it's the right answer and the right path for you to take. So that's it's a little bit difficult to pinpoint. In my self-experience, the books that made the biggest impact in my life were Technical books, for example, Perry Marshall, Eighty Twenty. Uh, he's a marketeer and a very successful marketeer, and, and he wrote a book about marketing and sales to improve salespeople. It, it's a self-help book, but in, in the business segment, and and that book helped me tremendously. And he put step by step, and how how to be more efficient to break down big tasks in small tasks, and that helped me a lot in my sales career. So that that book, Perry Marshall. 80-20 is definitely a book that uh, I recommend people to read if they are interested in sales.
0: Let's talk about some things that uh, are more commonly considered as scams, let's call them. And one of the things that really gets me is um, Gwyneth Paltrow's um, website. I don't know if it's a magazine now or whatever, but it's called Goop. And they sell things like um, vaginal inserts that strengthen the vaginal floor. Now, that could be a biological thing. Who the hell knows? And then they said it removes negative energy. And for those that don't believe in crystals and all of that stuff, they love criticizing that stuff. This, this is the biggest scam. People are using their celebrity status, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's like those um, water bottles of crystals inside. And some people are like, it's a stone. It's a rock. You put a rock inside water. And now you, you're selling it as if it's not going kind to of benefit. And the laws don't protect it, right? Because like, well, you've got to prove that it doesn't do anything and uh, yeah I think that's where it's a pity where they start mixing these things up people who might actually write a book trying to help you versus people who
1: understand that there's a business to be made Um In, in 20 I think 2010 or 2011 there were these bands these fitness bands that were released that they were supposedly to to improve your balance to improve your strength dude I swear to god they made a test on me without the band and then with the band and i improved in terms of strength and improved in terms of balance i bought like three of them and i went to play soccer with all that shit (laughs) one year later scientists came out and say that was the biggest scam in the fitness industry that they've seen in a long time there's no proof that that band would help that, that that is just like a not even a copper band it's like a zinc band or something oh
0: wait sorry band you mean a bracelet Yes, that's what I yes, meant. Yeah, you remember I said, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, didn't it used to leave like a mark on your skin? Yes. yes. Yeah, and then they said that that's like the top, uh, the detox or whatever. And they said, no, that's just a reaction to copper putting on your skin or something, right? I, I don't know that much, but that's that one, man. There are some scam people out there. But um, here's the question. Do you think it's still wrong if they truly believed in it? If they really thought that they were go- doing good, does that, is, is that as evil,
1: you know? Should they be
0: held as accountable?
1: If, you, if you're spending money on it and if you're wasting your time on something that doesn't work, yes, I, think it's, I don't think it's evil, 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 but I think it's a waste of time that you could be doing in something more productive, something that will work. So I think it's wrong. It's fraud. You're making money on something that doesn't work.
0: Mm, yeah. Okay. I agree with you on that one. So let's just talk about a, a couple other things like who are the people really consuming it and things like that. One of the biggest indicators that you will consume self-help books is someone who's consumed it already. So they said, the moment you go to one, if you like it. That's the addictive side of it. They said you get that dopamine hit after a convention, after reading a book, and it's like a drug, like cocaine, or whatever that you know, kind of plays on your do- uh, dopamine, your serotonin levels. You you end up associating reading the books, attending the conventions to productivity, to accomplishment, as opposed to actually seeing results. And they said that that's where the biggest problem is. Did you ever feel, you you kind of said that you felt that way a little bit, but how did you come about and realize that you felt that way?
1: When I realized that I was buying books and not even finishing them. That's when I realized that what the fuck am I doing? I'm I'm buying multiple books before sticking to one and sticking to those tasks and, and doing it. So I was buying a book Feeling all motivated about it, starting doing those behavior changes, but then a new book would come out, and I buy—I would buy the other book, forgetting completely the older one. So that was when I realized why am I buying different books with different messages for for the same thing that I can get in one book.
0: Do you know anybody else that went through the same thing? Do you know um, Do you know anyone else that reads and consumes this type of content?
1: Yeah, my father. My father loves this kind of books. We share books with each other. We we share a lot of books. Uh, my sister likes it as well. It's the family thing. My mom, my mom likes it, but they're more the esoteric ones, right? We spoke about my mom in previous episodes. She enjoys more esoteric and more more occult kind of books. But yeah, um, my family likes this ton of this type of self help motivational books. One of the segments that reads the most these kind of books and engages with this kind of industry is millennials. Seventy four percent of uh, people that read it on millennials and many of them there's reports that many millennials trying to be entrepreneurs got hooked in these youtube these youtube self help promoters and self help gurus into dropping their jobs and pursuing this entrepreneurship career kids like 21 22 23 24 years old right in the beginning of their career wanting wanting to give up the nine to five job to go into entrepreneurship and then not realizing how oh, fucking hard it, it is because one common trend that they noticed in this youtube self-help promoters was that i stopped working it was super easy i did this but then on another message they will go and say you have to work a lot so they will, they will give these these different messages, these contradictive messages to kids, to millennials, and they would get hooked on the first one that would motivate them, leave their jobs, and then now face uh, like a really tough position or a tough situation, you're not having money coming in.
0: Yeah, but you could almost argue that maybe they're kind of diversifying their segmentation because maybe some people like to hear that it was really easy and that they just, they just want that motivational hit and the other people that believe in the whole, got to work hard. But that's also similarly as dangerous because when you say that the idea is just work and not necessarily prioritization or planning it says that's just as poisonous and sometimes with these whatever youtube guys or any motivational speaker or any kind of health, self-help guru, um they realize that i oh, hey different audiences want to hear different things everything we we, we look at now is trying to sell a lifestyle it's like everything you want to do everything you want to um, achieve, you have to, you have to identify with it. Like everyone's trying to sell a lifestyle. You, you want to be this, or well, you got to be all these other things. Cause it all comes together. You got to have this mindset, like mindset changes and stuff like that. God uh, said, yeah, I think he's an evolutionary psychologist. He did the test in Montreal where he put uh, young men in cars. He put them in a cheaper car, like a, some kind of entry level Chrysler made him drive around. And then they put him in like a Ferrari and drove around both downtown uh, where there's a lot of people, and then on a highway, and they, according to his research, they found that people's testosterone levels spiked when they were driving the Ferrari, because of the confidence element. So they said, you know, mindset does influence biology. When you're confident, you get more testosterone. When you have more testosterone, a lot of other things start happening. You're maybe faster, you're, you're stronger for that moment. Your recovery goes up. Um, your focus. Your focus, so if you, there was also another animal next to you, so I say animal, like a human, they, they, they can sense it uh, depending on what gender they are, especially if they have different reactions. That's really, really interesting on that side. Um, it kind of ties back to people who fight. They say uh, after a fight, the winner, his testosterone, his testosterone spikes and the loser's testosterone dumps. And so he kind of talks about how motivation, for example, is not just a mental thing it really can have a, a physical change on you, like what dopamine does to you when you fall in love. It changes your biology, actually. So that's very interesting to note. But you said yeah. that a lot of these self-help gurus came from either working with other self-help gurus or they're a family business uh, or they were students.
1: Uh, okay, so, so Jim Ron was one of the biggest self-help gurus in, in the 1980s, 1990s. And helping him in his conferences and helping him uh, with the, with with his writing and seminars and all of that was a young guy called tony robbins <laughs> and then tony robbins just became like the biggest self-help guru in the 2000s he's he's worth close to 500 million dollars nowadays and he's he's a giant in the industry the biggest ever so that they typically do that they typically start learning what these with these massive self-help gurus, they accompany them to everywhere, they participate in the seminars, they work for them, and then they stem off to, to become their own brand. So that's something that happens a lot of times. So that that is one of my concerns with all of these guys, is that they are learning how to tell people to, to self-help. They never really, they never really went through all of those struggles in a way. Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: but you can say the same
1: about psychologists and psychiatrists,
0: right? That's yes. kind of like saying doctors need to have gotten sick in order to treat the illness. Like, well, no, I mean, there is a certain
1: academic. Uh, but they, they say that psychiatrists normally go to psychiatry so that they can cure their own madness.
0: <laughs> There's trust of psychologists there, right? Let's just finish off with demographics. Uh, you did some reading on the demographics that support this industry. Uh, what did, What did that tell you?
1: So that millennials today are doing uh, the best to self-help, to improve themselves. They represent 74% of the users. The, in terms of gender, women listen more to, to self-help gurus than men. Uh, around 60-something percent of the users, of the listeners, are, are women. Oh. But interesting, interestingly, uh, most of the gurus are men. So it's interesting that men are the gurus and women tend to be the gender that listens to most of these of these books. Um,
0: I was reading research about the, the 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 challenges that public speakers face, particularly politicians, when it comes to the gender discrimination. So, how deeper sounds, deeper voices instill more confidence um, in in psychological uh, studies, and how politicians like female politicians like the Margaret Thatchers and things like that have had to kind of make certain adjustments because uh whether it's something that society builds into us or whether it's a natural reaction i don't know i didn't don't remember reading that but in general they ask the woman to lower their voice um in order to instill uh, a greater sense of confidence because humans seem to react to higher pitch sounds and 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 and, and not that they have distrust, but they have a lower level of confidence in it. Isn't yeah. that interesting? And I wonder if it's that kind of ties into it.
1: it Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell, uh, it's a he's a self help uh, author. He writes a lot about leaders, and he reference that that you should uh, should lower your voice to to sound that you got more confidence.
0: Which is perfect because in this podcast, I actually have my voice cut high, but typically when I go onto stage and I present something, my voice goes a lot deeper. <laughs> that's something people have told me throughout university as i give my statistics on stage
1: (laughs) but it's not only deeper voice but as well speaking a little bit more slow slow for
0: sure for sure you also stumble this i wonder if it's one or the other like it's the lack of errors that you make and the greater ability to to digest the information you're conveying as opposed to actually the the speed making a difference cool Thank you very much for listening to this week's podcast. Thank you so much, guys. And we will see you next week. Bye.